Amen. Bless you. Well, good morning, Coastline family. How are we doing? We're all right? Good to see you. Uh, so, yes, as Scott says, this is the end of the journey, the end of the line when it comes to our series talking about the Lord's Prayer. And I thought in celebration, I'd tell my favorite Lord's Prayer joke, okay? Uh, so, Colonel Sanders has a meeting with the Pope and says, you know, uh, sales are down. I need a bit of a help from the church, if you can. He says, of course, my son, how can I help you? And he said, um, what if we can change the words of the Lord's Prayer? Instead of give us this day our daily bread, could you uh, perhaps change it to give us this day our daily chicken? Because it would really help with the brand if you could do that. Uh, oh, my son, this is a big ask. You know, these words have been in our tradition for years. And he said, well, I'd be willing to pay half a billion dollars if you do it. He said, leave it with me. I'll see what I can do. So he goes back to see the cardinals and he says, um, I've got good news and bad news. Okay, what's the good news? They said, we're going to get half a billion dollars from KFC. That's fantastic. What's the bad news? I think we're going to lose the Hovis account. <laughs> a few people will laugh. That's good. <laughs> anyway, let's pray together, shall we? Father, we just thank you. Uh, for this glorious day. We thank you for this wonderful thing that is the prayer that you taught us. And Father, we just pray now as we'll approach your word that you'll bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is week six of six. Uh, we've been looking at this sort of forensic analysis of the Lord's Prayer. And it's been really good that we've been able to set some time to, you know, just get into the weeds of some of these words. I think it's been pretty fantastic. And when you think about why this prayer is there, it's there because of one request of Jesus. When the disciples were spending time with Jesus and they saw the amazing miracles he did, raising the dead, healing the blind and the sick and the lame, uh, turning water into wine, walking on water, of all the things that they admired about Jesus or loved about Jesus or thought, you know, I wish I could do that, look, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, one thing that we've admired most about you is your prayer life. At the heart of all that you do, we've recognized that the one thing that's, that makes you you and makes you different and unique amongst us is the way you pray. So teach us to pray like you do. And as a result, we have this glorious psalm, really, this beautiful uh, prayer that's now part of our tradition, that perhaps one of the most familiar parts of our Bible. And over these last six weeks, we've kind of, you know, structurally analyzed and recognized that it's not just a prayer that we can pray uh, in church or in a school context or a college or uh, on our personal kind of walk, um, even though it stands up fine by that, as I keep saying, but, but it's, a, it's a template, it's a model, it's something that's um, going to give us a structure, if you like, for our own personal prayer. That's kind of what Jesus was doing. You know, teach us to pray. Here's a model, here's a template for you to, to look at. And much as we haven't had time to go through every single phrase of that particular prayer, we've taken some of the key ones, haven't we? That first week, Sarah uh, reminded us that Jesus' the Jesus revolution comes along with relationships, Father in heaven, almost countercultural to uh, the religious authorities of the time. 
And then we, we talked about Jesus' name, honoring his name. Hallowed be your name. Your name's lifted up. It's high. It's, it, there's worship in our prayer in one sense. But also we're, we're declaring your otherness, your greatness, your power over all circumstances. Hallowed be your name. And then Anne talked about uh, your kingdom come. And when we pray, we're saying your rule in heaven, we want it to come to earth. We want it to, to pull it down in one sense. The authority of the king of kings to be the king of kings on this earth. Your kingdom come, your reign come. And then Sarah so beautifully unpacked about daily bread. And when we, we, our prayer is about provision, asking for provision. And God's provision was just enough, just enough, just enough, how he provides for our needs. And, and last week, John was able to just unpack about forgiveness. That, that in one sense, our prayer life is about asking forgiveness, receiving forgiveness, and then gloriously passing that forgiveness on to those around us. So we get towards the end of the line on this journey then, and today we're going to look at the little phrase, deliver us from the evil one. So if you've got a Bible, uh, hopefully it'll be one of these, because uh, what I'm doing again, like I did the other, the other Sunday, is I'm just going to read it to you, that little phrase, just from, uh, I think it's four translations I've got here, because again, uh, it just gives a little bit of shape and color to maybe uh, how the translators were thinking and it just gives a different perspective on uh, the text. So I'm just going to read it from, say, from four. I've got five different translations here. So from NIV, if you've got it, here we go. Matthew 6, verse 13 says this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. New Living Translation, Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Uh, contemporary English version. Keep us from being tempted and protect us from evil. Good news. Do not bring us to hard testing, but keep us safe from the evil one. And God's word translation. Don't allow us to be tempted. Instead, rescue us from the evil one. We thank God for his word and we thank that it, even in these different ways it speaks to us so beautifully and eloquently. We thank God for it. So much as we could spend a lot of great time looking at that first part, we're going to look, look at that second part today, uh, deliver us from the evil one. So let me start straight away with the controversy, okay? Is it, hang on, in my head, Phil, it's deliver us from evil. And now you're saying it's deliver us from the evil one. So which is it? Is it deliver us from evil? That's my tradition. Uh, deliver us from the evil one. Well, well, scripture doesn't uh, necessarily help us here because if we go right back to the original Greek. It actually says deliver us from the evil is actually what it says. If we would translate it uh, word for word. So that's why you can see the translators have had a bit of a, you know, a dilemma, really, because some have translated it as deliver us from the evil one. Others have translated it deliver us from evil. Now, I quite like the way the NIV has translated it, which is rather than saying deliver us from a concept, the evil in general, you know, a, a supernatural sort of influence or whatever you think it might be, uh, instead, deliver us from a person, from somebody real, from something uh, personal. Deliver us from the evil one. 
Uh, in one sense, we're saying, don't deliver, deliver me from wrong, but deliver me from all the source of wrong. Don't deliver me from, from a, a, a headline uh, kind of idea, but deliver me from a source, from a person, from the, the influencer, the instigator of wrong. And of course, uh, from that, you know, the, the, the forces that are aligned to the devil and his, uh, and, and his, and his crowd. So why pray that prayer? Why do we need to pray that prayer? I mean, why, why do I need to pray, deliver me from the evil one? I mean, surely, when I signed into this club, when I came into this uh, kind of family, when I gave my life to Jesus and I recognized that Jesus was my Savior and my Lord, I invited him into my life, and he, surely, his job is to deliver me from the evil one. Surely that's what he does. That's his side of the bargain. Well, if we were to think that way, we misunderstand uh, this prayer and what we're doing when we pray, particularly this particular phrase, and, and I would suggest probably misunderstanding prayer and why we're praying in the first place. So what are we doing then when we say, deliver us from the evil one? What, what is behind? What's the template that Jesus is trying to teach us here when, uh, in this model of prayer? So first things first, I think what's happening here is when we say deliver us from the evil one, we're acknowledging our absolute dependence on God. You notice the direction here, Father in heaven, deliver us from the evil one. We're saying we're absolutely dependent on God. Let's just look at that word deliver uh, in the original Greek because... um, I'll never pronounce these brilliantly well, but here we go. It's ruomahi, and it means to rescue, to deliver from danger or destruction. To rescue or to deliver from danger or destruction. Firstly, get out of your head any concept of Amazon delivery. (laughs) Or DPD or other uh, service providers are available. So this is not about logistics, right? This is the thing. It's not about logistics. It's not saying, God, would you move me from A to B? Would you place me in a place that's a safe distance away from the evil one? That's kind of what you would think if you were thinking logistics on the word delivery. But instead, it's about transformation. It's about reform. It's about redemption. It's about being saved. And I'm saying, Lord, save me from the evil one. Don't just move me a safe distance away like I'm lighting a firework. Don't move me a safe distance away. But deliver me. Come in and step into the danger and change my circumstance. Come and save me. Rescue me from the danger of the evil one. And it's important that we say only God can do this. Only you can do this. This is what I'm doing when I'm praying, deliver deliver us from the evil one. I'm saying, Lord, this is your, your unique ability to do this. I can't do this. You need to step in. You need to come and rescue me from this situation. Only you can save. Only you can rescue. Only you can do this. And when I pray that prayer, I am recognizing your authority, your your unique ability to do just that, to deliver 
me or deliver us from the evil one. Only you can do it. And, and we're saying publicly in one sense, I need a savior. I need you to come down and step in. I can't do this without you. In fact, I wouldn't even try. I can't do it without you. Only you can rescue. Only you can save, to quote the prophet Matt Redmond, if you know that song. It's in my head when I do it. But we don't do that, do we? We just don't do that. We, we say, I mean, look, if anything like me, you pray a prayer like this. Lord, I've done it again. I'm so sorry for doing blank, 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 blank. You can fill in the gaps, okay? But this time, I'll try really hard not to do it again. Come on, if you're being honest, we've all done that kind of prayer, haven't we? And that's what we do, right? We, we come back to something maybe that's a prevailing sin in our lives or an issue in our lives or something that's caused a particular set of upset or pain or concern with other people or whatever. Uh, and, and we say, Lord, I'll try really hard not to do that again. But we're saying when we pray this, only you can save. Only you can rescue. I mean, if you're, you're not alone if you've kind of been in the place where you've kind of prayed that prayer and recognized the sort of your ability or your inability to be able to, to sort things out on your own. Paul has that wonderful tongue twister in Romans 7 where he says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that's in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, for I do not do the good I want to do. Instead, I keep on doing the evil I do not want to do. And if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And this is the line, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death, body of decay, it says in some versions. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's grace by which we're saved. It's grace by which we're saved. Nothing that we've done, everything about what Christ has done. And when I say, deliver me or deliver us from the evil one, I am saying, only you can save. Only you can rescue. Only you can transform and come down and save me from my sins. Only you can save. So that's one thing I think that's happening when we pray that prayer. The second thing is this. When we pray deliver us from the evil one, I think we're doing this. I think we're saying we acknowledge we have an enemy that we need to be delivered from, but we refuse to follow his ways and follow his paths. We're acknowledging we have an enemy that we need to be rescued from, but we refuse to follow his ways. We're choosing a different path. When I pray, and I, I guess the, the, you know, the, the requirement here, really, the right thing to do is to say, pray this daily, something I pray over my life every day. And, and when I do that, I should be saying, you know, this day, deliver us from the evil one, deliver me from the evil one. And, and I'm saying, I choose a different path today. I choose to follow a different road today. I choose to follow in a different direction today blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners uh, take or sit in the company 
of mockers. I choose a different road today. I set a course for my life today that is different to the the direction the evil one would have and speak over me. There's a lovely story in... um, uh, in the Second World War, uh, about uh, Monty, the Field Marshal Montgomery, uh, who was uh, for like campaigns in the, the northern deserts, uh, North Africa. And um, there's uh, one, his little caravan that he used to, to sleep in, being a field marshal. We had a caravan, not a tent. And uh, he, on the walls of it, he had paintings and pictures and photographs of famous Nazi generals and field marshals. One of them famously was a signed photograph of Rommel, who was uh, his great rival, the Desert Fox, as he was known as. And one, somebody said to him one day, you know, why have you got all these kind of glorious pictures of your, uh, you know, your foes up on the wall? And his simple answer was, you need to know what your enemy looks like. You need to know what your enemy looks like. And that's true about us. We need to know. We're going to follow a different path We need to know what he looks like and where he leads us so that we don't follow after him. What does the Bible say about him? He's a liar. In fact, the the word in the original ancient Hebrew in the Old Testament for Satan was an accuser. And, And in the New Testament, we use diabolos, which means a slanderer. Jesus called him the father of lies. Jesus said when he speaks lies, he speaks his natural language. And if we're going to follow a different path and walk a different route, we need to know what our enemy looks like. You know, this is the thing that came to me this week. He's a little mouse nibbling away at the, ca- at the power cable. Nip, 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 nip. He niggle, nib- nibbles away, niggles away at the power cable. And eventually, if we don't stop him, he'll cut through and the power will go. And, you know, I know you think sometimes when people are up the front here, they, they've got their life all together. You know, let me just smash any kind of... <laughs> view you've got of that you know I've had this in bucket loads this week right the old devil's had a right old go at me you know you're no good no point you've been up the front no point people saying you know you've got the subject talking nobody's going to listen anyway I've had all this little nip 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 at me all week this week you know when you speak nobody's going to listen you know but that's what he does doesn't he just little, little mice just nibbling away nibbling away nibbling away And I have to say, right, I've got to stand on the truth. Come on, I know my father loves me. I know that he's got a different plan for my life. I know he is able to rescue and save. He's a thief as well. He's a thief. He's trying to steal away our confidence. I've had that again this week. You know, just stealing away the confidence. Stealing away the joy, stealing away ultimately, and that's the ultimate prize, isn't it? Stealing away the direction for my life that God has ordained over me. Speaking over my life things that, that, that my father would never, you know, has never even spoken over me. But, but that little nip, nip, nip at the power cable. You know what it's like? I'm sure you can relate to that, right? I've had it in spades this week. But but we need to know what our enemy's like, right? That's what he's like. And recognize and say, this week, deliver us from the evil one. Take me down a different path. I'm not going to listen to the lies. I'm not going to allow you to come in and steal my joy and my confidence and my hope and my salvation. I'm going to follow a different path this week. I'm going to follow a different run this week. He's out to get you. He's out to get me as well, but he's out to get all of us, right? 
Be alert and sober-minded, said Peter in 1 Peter 5. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But before we big him up too much, let's just remind ourselves he's a defeated enemy. He's on the losing side. He is defeated. There's a really great uh, story. Look it up when you get a chance, when you, uh, a little bit later in the day, maybe. 2 Kings 6. It's the story of the Arameans fighting against the Israelites. And uh, uh, the king of Aram uh, basically makes plans and says, right, let's go and attack Israel in such and such a place. And Elisha the prophet, uh, I'm sure he doesn't email or phone up the, the king of Israel, but drops a little message to say, don't go near such and such. That's where the king of Aram is going to attack you. Okay? Uh, so he tells him, like, for a word of knowledge, that that's what's going to happen. And he avoids and uh, avoids trouble. And, and this happens again and again and again. The, the, the generals of the king of Aram get together and they come up with a plan. And uh, Elisha goes and tells them exactly what the plan is and, and Israel's saved. To the point where the king of Aram gets a bit fed up with this. So he says, you know, he gets all his generals together. And he says, who's the rat? <laughs> basically you know who's the one that's telling the stories who's the one that's on the king of israel's side and leaking out the uh, the military secrets here and some white officer said he says none of us he said it's that elisha the prophet he tells the king of israel the very secrets you keep in your bedroom See, that's good almost what it says right um so he said well let's go get him then let's go get him so during the night, they send an, uh, they found that he's living in a, a place called Dotham. And, and they, through the night, they send uh, a huge army delegation to surround the city. Horses, chariots, soldiers, the whole nine yards, okay? Surround the city. And in the morning, the uh, servant of Elisha the prophet goes up to the walls and looks out. And all around the city is this vast army, okay? And, he's, and the quote actually is, Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? And there's this beautiful, beautiful response from Elisha. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered, answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with, with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Open his eyes, says Elisha. And as he does, he sees on the hills vast angelic armies of fire, chariots of fire, horses of fire, surrounding this vast man-made army. And, he's, uh, and I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story, but read it, because there's this wonderful thing that God does to change uh, that situation and end that war. They're, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. As John says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The reason the Son of God was revealed was to destroy the devil's work. You are on the victory side. He's a defeated enemy. He's a defeated foe. I love the words from a song from the Expression 58 album, Make Way, uh, Make Way is the, the album. And it, in a song called Lovers Overcome, it says, Darkness, your days are over. Oppression, your time is up. Bondage, you are abolished. Love has overcome. Darkness, your days are over. Love has overcome. 
come and when I lift up my glorious Savior, when I say, you are overall, I am following a different path, so I buy in, I, 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 I become part of that glorious victory that love has uh, delivered in, in this world and in my life. I align myself with the truth. I align myself with that truth. And finally, finally, when I pray this prayer, what else should I be doing when I pray it? Deliver us from the evil one. What else should I be doing? I should be focusing on that second word. Us. Deliver us from the evil one. We forget it. I've flip-flops into me and us uh, all, all morning this morning but it's a corporate prayer it's plural it's us it's deliver us from the evil one it's plural it's something we should be praying and have a privilege to pray for this world as shafts of light in one sense in the darkness you and I have a privilege to pray for this world, deliver this world from the evil one. Deliver my friends and family from the evil one. Deliver this church from the evil one. Deliver these neighbors, let's pray, from the evil one this week. Deliver rulers and ministers and prime ministers and kings and queens from the evil one, as scripture encourages us to do. Pray, 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 pray without ceasing. Pray, deliver this world from the evil one. It's our privilege and our responsibility to pray that prayer. Deliver this world. Deliver the world I'm in. My friends, my family, those whom I love that are around me. Deliver them from the evil one. So then let's pray that prayer. Let's pray it this week. Let's pray it together now. In fact, let's, those who are, let's stand and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together just at the end of our time. As we come into land on this beautiful series, let's just pray it together and, and let's speak it out into this world as we do that in Jesus' name. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.